Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a very special edition of the pod today. We have another edition of the 10 Question Series. I love to bring on some of the finest minds in the industry to, hey, just let you people know what they're thinking. Because as much as I would like to think I'm on top of everything, we're going to make all you listeners smarter by bringing on the guys that we definitely know are at the top of this industry. And that way, you know, if I am wrong about something, great. They'll tell us, then we can all be smarter together. With that out of the way, joining me today, the father of modern science, chief rocket scientist over with the fantasy football astronauts who you can support on YouTube and Patreon, Jetpack Galileo at Jetpack Galileo on Twitter. Truly, Jetpack, one of the best accounts out there, whether it's, you know, just your wide receiver methodology, general prospect evaluation, or, you know, making Mo Alley Cox like five times the size that he actually looks like when he's on the field. <laughs> uh, I love everything you do, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Hey, what's going on, brother? Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely, man. So we got the draft around the corner. And the main reason I wanted to have you on is because let's face it, you've been absolutely crushing your, I think last three years, at least I, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline that you had on your uh, correlations there, but basically you have an evaluation process. I think you were specifically talking about wide receivers and you've been outperforming draft capital, man, which, you know, I just spent one of these uh, episodes, I think this week or last week talking about how important draft capital can be. You know, I do think it's fine to spend a lot of these early months, um, you know, before guys land on their teams. It's fine to look at the prospect, evaluate them the best of your capabilities and stuff. But I do think sometimes people get a little bit too far overboard. And then we have folks, you know, taking Terrence Marshall or Rondale Moore ahead of someone like Jalen Waddle, who, let's face it, we kind of knew the NFL was ahead on. So just starting things off, man, talk a little bit about your evaluation process and how you've managed to be so successful in basically you know beating out these nfl teams so far in terms of the fantasy production at hand despite you know in your own words not having the opportunity to scheme the plays or go to pro days or anything like that yeah i think that's a question that almost everybody has is you know, everybody is a fan of whatever team they have and they, they say oh you know that was a dumb decision or i would have done this differently and so the, it kind of that idea like exists out in space and you don't really know until you start to measure it. And so that that's kind of our goal was to say, hey, if I'm going to, you know, really be serious about oh, how am I going to apply this idea to fantasy or how am I going to test myself to improve my process? Let me start measuring my grades. Let me start recording things. And then what I started to recognize is, OK, as I get these film grades out, I'm just as good as the draft or, you know, I can compete with even NFL guys just by watching the film and, and creating my own. Uh, methodology around that. So, um, you know, ultimately the strategy there was in terms of fantasy that there is a massive hole in player evaluation. So we have kind of like the two general ideas, which is we take a guy's college productivity and then we take like draft capital or what the NFL thinks about them. And then we create an idea of, well, this is what his talent looks like. Um, and in that space, we need something to say, okay, well, really all of the college production, that's just a guy's resume. That's just what he did on paper, but that doesn't tell me how he works. That doesn't tell me how he thinks. That doesn't tell me anything about that. Like we can look at Ian's resume and I can say, oh, okay, you know, he did this or that and he had this many followers and he, you know, put out these kinds of numbers. <laughs> but until I read your tweets or watch your videos, right, then I don't really know what it is to add you on, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when PFF is hiring you, it's one thing again to say like, oh, he worked at this place before or whatever. But then as soon as you go to your Twitter, it's like, oh, this guy's hilarious. This guy can do all sorts of things, right? And then it, that's it seems where like, you... Uh, it seems like in a lot of the process, not even so much prospects, but I've noticed this in fantasy just kind of border like the rankings to start the season. 
too often we are looking at just the resume. We're looking at what yeah. happened last year instead of looking at what should happen next year. And that's, you know, it kind of infuriates me when we have that attitude about certain players, like all the Debo Samuel news right now, where people, I think smartly are being like, okay, you know, especially in dynasty land, probably should be looking to sell him right now based on all the uncertainty out there. So it's almost like these players have a great season when, um, and, you know, and all of a sudden they have this great resume. But if we're really being objective about it, it's like looking forward, maybe not going to be exactly what we want or what we've seen in the past. Right. Yeah. So the idea for me, what I'm evaluating is really two things. I'm evaluating somebody's movement skill or their movement capability and then their process and their strategy. How do they solve problems on the field? And that is different than charting, right? So charting would be what you guys do at PFF or reception perception, right? Where we're just saying, okay, what's the success rate of this play or how does he match up here? And, and is he checking this box, right? And more of what I'm doing is saying, okay, what's the quality of this player's movement, right? How does he slide or transition? And then what is he thinking, right? How does he use his eyes, those kinds of things. And when we're talking about, uh, you know, does the resume travel or does the player's skills and talents travel? That's what I'm trying to identify. What is What does he do? How does he solve problems? That's what's going to translate to the NFL. That's what goes with him to training camp, not something that he did in college. That's one of, uh, I think he just straight up tweeted that line. I loved it. You know, this was your quote. You don't take your stats to the NFL, you take your skills. I think that's uh, rather brilliant. And we see that with, you know, some of these, I think, you know, for example, uh, Romeo Dobbs is someone who I've been looking at a little bit more uh, recently, calling myself a lifelong fan after putting in about two <laughs> days of research into the guy. But it's interesting when I see guys like him and uh, Matt Corral, where you start reading like the quote unquote negatives on them. And it's almost like, you know, they weren't asked to do things that we do see more so at the NFL level, whether it's, you know, not being in a pro style system, you know, running too many RPOs, just facing a lower level competition. And we're almost penalizing them on things that they didn't even have the opportunity to uh, do otherwise. So in terms of, you know, skills over stats, I hear you, but are there stats that you particularly lean on to help quantify those skills? Because that's always been my biggest issue with like the film versus the the quote unquote film versus analytics debate that we kind of always have in this industry. It's like, ideally we're finding analytics and stats that help quantify exactly what we're seeing on film. I think the answer is a happy marriage of both. And, you know, anyone that's trying to brush aside the other one, maybe just being a little bit lazy or not understanding enough of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, part of what we're trying to do is create our own analytics um, mm -hmm. with the film grading. So I write a number down and then I have an objective idea of what I'm talking about. So that, that initially is that's, I'm creating a new analytic, but what I've started to use now is the PFF stats. And I, I think that's really exciting. Um, just to say, okay, you know, there's more specific things. Where I'm not able to capture the entirety of a, a guy's film. And I know you guys watch every play. So it's okay. Let me, let me dig into that a little bit more. And that that's been pretty exciting to, to see. Um, but as far as like analytical profiling and doing the resume work, I, I do find that to be valuable. What happens is we usually end up, you know, on Twitter or in that universe, people rearrange basically the same data. Everybody is looking at a player's market share. Everybody is looking at a guy's breakout age. And I think that's all valuable. But if you're in a you know more competitive league with dynasty guys, everybody is using that same language and they all have an ability to recognize those things. And so we're all just rearranging that same data. So the question then becomes, Okay, what's my edge here? I need to create an edge somewhere else. And so going into the premium stats like PFF or, you know, creating your own film grades, I think that's where you're going to find an edge. 
I think uh, is separation one of those things that you're especially looking at because look, I'm 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 not trying to shit on like next gen stats here. They're great, you know. You can call them a competitor, <laughs> PFF, whatever. But if you look back at like kind of their leading separators and just purely based on the separation they're charting, you see guys like Jimmy Graham. I think um, uh, wasn't Heath Miller? Uh, no, it was um Vance McDonald. I think led it one year because and then like H- Hayden Winks. I think made a good point um about this before. Like you watch some of those plays, and it's just like the defense is gladly giving up the underneath shit. It's not actually these players going out there right. and separating. So maybe that separation stat in and of itself, only used overall, isn't very good. But anyone that has watched wide receivers, you know yourself and all the listeners out there, we know how important separation is, and that it is a skill. Is that something that you were trying to like? quantify on a one to 10 scale when you're watching these guys because you know really big small fast whatever if you can separate that's the ultimate goal of being a freaking receiver yeah totally um i'll, I'll share my screen with you if that's all right yeah sure let me hop into one. that All right, all you brother. Yeah, YouTube crowd, we are continuing to screen share. Love, uh, you know, being able to basically, yeah, you know, just do a solid to um, all you out there. I, I don't think I have the ugliest face in the world, but if we can uh, <laughs> have some film and whatnot going in the meantime, why the hell not? Okay, now I stop sharing. So Yeah, so so here's how I do my film grades. And um, basic the basic idea is I have five main traits and I grade these on a scale of one to five. Um, and then that adds up to create like a final film grade for me. Um, that's, you know, what you see when we talk about the film grades, but what goes into the back end of it is where we get into that conversation of, okay, what am I evaluating for separation or what am I evaluating for those things? So I run through, okay, you know, what does a player do, um, in his route? How is he identifying the defender's space, right? How is he attacking his leverage? And then there's things that I'm grading differently is, okay, how does he create lateral displacement versus what is he doing with his hip sync? Right. And those, those are different skills. And I think one of the challenges that we have when we're evaluating these players movement quality is we'll have a guy who can do one thing really well um, where he can like give a guy a shake. Right. But that doesn't necessarily apply to his ability to translate that into a curvilinear motion like a speed out. So Alec Pierce, I think, is a good example of this where he has a good enough shake at the line. If you watch him play against Alabama, he's rocking those corners. Um, with his release. And he's actually doing pretty well. Ritter's just under a ton of pressure, but he's performing well there. And really his challenge is not, okay, can he create a little bit of lateral movement? It's how does he translate that into uh, speed outs or speed ins, digs, those kind of routes. And you'll see it all the time with him. He'll slip or he'll fall or he'll stumble, or it will take him uh, more time to transition into that motion. And so for me, what does that do? That reduces his overall viability when we're talking about how does this translate to the NFL game? Now his route tree is limited. Yes, I can run him on curls a little bit, or yes, I can run him on posts and go routes, right? That's going to be his bread and butter. But in terms of what's his intermediate game, I'm not as confident with him there. And so his overall fantasy value is going to be down because his volume is going to be different. So ultimately, that's what we're after, right? Is to say, hey, how can we you know, translate this to the game uh, you know, and get specific about what am I seeing from this guy athletically? 
Now, major part of anyone's athletic ability is unfortunately injuries. Like if you if you play Madden or in my case NCAA football and you don't turn injuries off, like what kind of monster are you setting yourself up uh, just to be you know be under the constant wrath of these injury gods? And unfortunately, one of the things you pointed out in a recent tweet is that like this class from top to bottom is filled with guys that are you know either currently dealing with injuries or have had major ones you know impact them in the somewhat recent past. So Jameson Williams and you know John Mechie directly coming off a. ACL injuries. George Pickens isn't too far, uh, you know, ahead of them in that recovery. Drake London, Traylon Burks, even Justin Ross, obviously with the neck thing, have had issues in the past. How worried are you about these issues for purely 2022 stock or potentially beyond? You know, I was um, reading a good uh, article that Josh Hernsmeyer uh, tweeted out recently talking about how ACL recovery for running backs and linebackers has been particularly, uh, you know, lacking and just tough to come by. Now, I think the, that also, it's more directionally correct than anything because those two positions, I think we're seeing the shortest career span as well, might have something to do with the guys getting injured. But just in terms of these wide receivers coming in, are the guys that you're really more worried about this injury recover with than others? Yeah, so the the first guy that stands out to me is Jamison Williams, um, and this has a lot to do with his body type. So both him and John Mechie are, you know, tore their ACL, and they're on basically the same recovery timetable. Um, but Jamison is – more slender and he's built a lot like Will Fuller. So when we're, you know, coming up with a comparison, Will Fuller is is literally perfect for him in terms of the way that they play, but also in their potential recovery process and how they might struggle through that. Um, Jameson, at least from, you know, what I was seeing, he's training at the same place Odell was. Um, and so, you know, obviously we just saw Odell rehab and spend all this time and then he ended up tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl, right? And so I get, you're playing a guessing game with the ACL stuff. Um, and we can say, oh, yeah, the technology is, is better. The surgeries are better. We're improving there. Um, but overall, there's a little bit more risk. And because of that, I'll bump guys down maybe a spot, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a ton. Um, but I am in saying, okay, this timetable to return, I'm, I'm not going to expect Jamison Williams to be the Jamison Williams that I saw at Alabama his rookie year. I'm going to wait for that for his second year, right? I'm gonna, I'll be excited about that after I see it. But in terms of investing right away, I'm okay with bumping him down you know, one spot. Again, not a ton. How about for uh, George Pickens? I saw you sending out some videos of him today and, you know, seemingly pretty impressed with the way he was out there moving around. He's kind of already had the one year. I understand he was able right. to get back out there, but he might be someone where we're actually seeing him too impacted by the recovery right now that he should be further along with than, you know, obviously someone like Jameson or Mechie. Yeah, so you're looking for a confirmation of, okay, does he, you know, have what he used to have? And so I think it, we saw in the, the last few games of the season, he wasn't quite there yet. But then at the combine, he's running 4-4-7, right? And so you know, okay, some of that speed and some of that explosiveness is back. Um, and, and that's really exciting. Same thing with Jalen Waddle, right? He had the, the broken ankle. He came back at the last game of the season, and he didn't look good, right? But he played. And so you know that, okay, he was healthy enough to play. They're clearing him. And then you have all this time for him to recover even more in camp and all that, that George Pickens is also getting. And really it's the same thing, right? By the time the season comes around, you're not worried about Jalen Waddle. And really, I, I think the same thing with George Pickens. You're not going to be worried about him as much as you would be, of course, a, a Jameson or a John Mechie. That's something I've been noticing in the kind of the conversation around running backs uh, going into this year. Zeke and Cordero Patterson both got hurt, played 
pretty poorly through the injury. And they're really getting dinged for that way more than someone like Derrick Henry or DeAndre Swift, who just got hurt and was out. So like they were giving us nothing, but they weren't like pulling down the fantasy squad when you're trying to play them anyway through the injury. You know, don't be holding an injury against like Pickens more so against him than like Jameson, just because Pickens was able to go out there and gut it out. Same thing with Jalen Waddle. That he Waddle was going as like wide receiver 48 last preseason. And it made me just angry talking about it every single time. There was one beat writer who in like early August talked about how Waddle like got up slowly, kept practicing, wasn't hurt. But the beat writer was like, yeah, I can't afford to get hurt again. Like, yeah, no shit, man. Like you can say that about every single player in the entire league. So really with these injuries, you know, I do think you see guys like Waddle who it's just, you know, one of those factors that's being really weighted against them far more than other players that, you know, when I think you're more objective about it might actually have um, a bigger issue in the immediate future. Jetpack, another fun uh, little Twitter uh, trend you got going on. Your hashtag arrogant hands notes. It's what it sounds like. Like this is the sort of analytics I like, man. Something that we all see. We understand what it is. And, you know, hey, let's try to keep track of it as well. Kind of like with the PFS big time throws. Like people are like, well, what's a big time throw? It's a big time throw. It's what you think it is. It's the tight window elite throw that you look at your friend across the couch and you're like, holy shit, did you just see that? With the arrogant hands, is there anyone particular in this class that stands out from watching him where you're just like, my God, this dude can snag everything? Yeah, so I think Dotson, Jahan Dotson is, is the guy that uh, everybody recognized. Or he came on the scene in 2020 with that big catch against Ohio State, and that's really where he flashed on Center Top 10, all that kind of stuff. But um, he's poor a guy Denzel. that – poor. Uh, yeah. No, no, it wasn't Ward. It was, um, oh, my God, uh, Sean Wade. Poor Sean Wade. Yeah. <laughs> but he's that guy that he, – he definitely flashes the arrogant hands, and he can go up and he can pluck it anywhere. But there's there's actually a bunch of guys in this class. I'd say um, definitely Pickens, Burks, and Justin Ross would be the other guys that, that their hands really stand out. Um, but, yeah, Dotson I think is definitely a fun guy to watch. I ended up comping him to Brandon Lloyd. So I know that their they're 40 times are different, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of them being a slimmer guy, the utility is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Brandon Lloyd is a little bit of who I see in Dotson. Do you care about weight? as much these days. I mean, Dotson coming in, you know, 178, 511. Because I think in the past we might look at him and some of these other guys and it's like, okay, if they're under, uh, you know, a buck 85 or something like, yeah, they need to be a slot receiver. But man, we've seen Mooney, Devontae Smith. Yeah, I just feel like in today's era, like I don't want to hear about how many under, how few undersized receivers there were in the year 2000, 2010. <laughs> like since we had those like Steelers and Ravens, just classic playoff battles about 10 years ago, I feel like football is almost a different sport so is there like is weight even really factoring into your process much these days or is it just something like yeah if you got more great but if you can play as a smaller receiver fuck it who who, fuck who fuck how much you uh weigh my god (laughs) sorry everyone didn't mean to drop three in a row but i'm getting excited here okay (laughs) yeah well you know all those guys in the 80s and 90s they're all 175 right um and you know all the all the heroes of old but i think uh to me i don't care about weight as much as I care about physicality. Okay. Um, And that's where I think we get trapped, right? You can have a 185 guy uh, be not very physical, a 190 guy be not very physical and that will trap him up. So that, that is one of Dotson's flaws. You know, we can say, Oh, maybe this is related to his weight or not. Yeah. You guys have a score right there. Five out of 10. I'd say that that's pretty fair. His His challenge is he gets into his route and he doesn't necessarily have a solution if somebody's got his hands on him. Right. And, and that, you know, related to weight or not, that is going to be a problem. And, and just like we're talking about with Alec Pierce being 
uh, his role being limited or his utility changing, it's going to be the same thing with Dotson. You're going to want to keep him out of those situations. Um, and so, yeah, that that's the it's physicality that I think matters the most. All right. So at the position, seems like consensus across the industry. Big five receivers. In PFF's order, we got Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks. Seems like that's what I'm seeing throughout the industry as well in the fantasy ranks and all that. Do you agree that those are the big five receivers, like pretty much consensus? Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would match those guys. I think for me, I have Pickens over Olave. Just okay. like what we're talking about, there's a physical element to the game that I think Pickens brings that Olave doesn't. And Olave, to me, is more of a, a wide receiver two kind of guy. Um, Pickens, I think, can be a, you know the bulldog and, and run in there and, and be available all the time. One concept I like talking about with routes is irreducibility. Um, that's a new thing. Jamar Chase is a really great example of that. So even if you're not a great separator, it's, oh, I can always be available to the quarterback at any time. That's irreducibility. So George Pickens is really great at that. Um, even if he's not separating, which he has the ability to do, he's always available. Same with Drake London. Do you think these bigger, like, you know, I wonder if with Pickens and Drake London, if they're almost being typecast as like a non-separating big body wide receiver, just because they're bigger. And now we're used to all these wide receivers coming in, you know, barely even pushing 200 pounds sometimes. Cause like when I hear the complaint, you know, I haven't watched as much Pickens as I have a uh, Drake London stuff. But when I hear the stuff about London, not being able to separate, that seemed to be kind of the verdict on him early, but you pull up the film and I just don't really see it out there, man. I understand he's not like a four, three burner necessarily, but he's still got the route running. And, you know, I think there is a case to be made that having that sort of physicality, like, okay, you might take the long, speed you know, over physicality if it was a one for one but that physicality can help make up for a lot i think for some of these receivers that maybe aren't quite as you know quick footed as we would prefer yeah i, I think our, that's spot on drake london to me is like a jumbo keenan allen almost nice. so so you know he's tenacious after the catch he's got good lateral agility he plays uh you know the slide really well um it just he looks like a basketball player i know you're gonna hear that a lot but um, that that's really the vibe you get from Drake London. And, and just like you're saying, I think the separation concerns with him are overdone. The question that I do have is the vertical separation, right? So how much speed is he able to win over the top? You don't see a lot of that. Um, and so, you know, maybe he's a four, five, eight, four, six, you know, guy, and, and that's okay, right? You can still win with that if you're tenacious after the catch. When we look at all of these guys who are four, six guys that succeed in the league, they're all physical players like Drake London. So I'm not too concerned there. And also, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we need to continue using like this one four and a half to five second period of a player's life as like the end all be all <laughs> right, yeah. of their actual speed. Like how many more times do we need to hear that Jerry Rice ran a four seven? Like, I'm not sure who spiked his water that day or what was going on there, but like it's, it, that shouldn't completely be changing someone's analysis on a player, particularly with some of this stuff we're getting now about their game speed. Like when I hear that Traylon Burks, you know, was registering registering one of the fastest speeds on field last year, shouldn't that matter more than that he ran, you know, four five five one day in March? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. When you're hitting the, the miles per hour stuff that's showing up, I think is really exciting. And so that's one. When we're talking about analytics that I care about. That's definitely one that I look at. 
I think those could feasibly just erase all the combine drills eventually because yes. yes. that's what we're trying to replicate with the combine drills. And I yes. respect the goal of what they're trying to do, but it's 2022. We don't need to have the same damn drills we were looking at 40 years ago trying exactly. to uh, do this. So uh, one of the things you said about Drake London, Jumbo, Keenan Allen, love that. I don't think there's enough, you know, qu qualifiers or descriptors in front of these comps. You know, I've seen some people have funny tweets about it, you know, oh, like every, there's five Jerry Rices in this uh, class right, and all yeah. this, every you know, how many Debo Samuel comps are we getting out there? It's okay to put poor man's, rich man's, you know, jumbo, uh, you know, uh, some, somebody plus like a better version of them. Do you have good comps for these five players? And, you know, do you have comps? I guess we'll be the judge of how, how good they are and all that. I'm sure you feel good about them, but you know, Drake London, Keenan or jumbo Keenan Allen, do you have other comps for these top five wide receivers that you're particularly fond of? Uh, yeah, so with Pickens, I settled on Kenny Galladay. Ooh, um, okay. I'm I'm pretty happy about that. You know, good Kenny Galladay, not not recent Kenny Galladay. It's but... amazing, man. The guy has one bad year and everyone acts like he's never caught a football. Like, why right. Kenny G was a baller? Yeah, yeah. That, that's who I see in Pickens, though, right? You got about the same 40 time, about the same, uh, you know, size, speed, all that. And they both failed at hurdling on their highlight tapes. So, you know, <laughs> for me, that, that's very clear. But yeah, comps are comps are my love language. This is how I get to know these guys. And, and just, I think, running through old historical players is so much fun as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, Kenny G is a good one for Pickens. Um, and then uh, Traylon Burks as Corderell Claypool. Uh, I know you're entertained by that. but Oh my um, God. I love it. I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So... The deal there is Cordero Patterson was this freak athlete, uh, first round pick, all this stuff. And maybe he didn't, you know, check certain analytical boxes, but the flaws that he had in his game that basically didn't allow him to transition to wide receiver in the NFL are the very similar to what Traylon deals with. So Traylon checks all these boxes as far as like how fast he is, you know, freshman or sophomore SEC breakout you know, those kinds of things. And people get really excited about them, but there's wide receiver basics that he doesn't understand. And everybody will pull up that Alabama tape and say, oh, you know, look at him cooking these corners that Alec Pierce also was able to cook, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, he's putting up great stats. And I think that's definitely worthwhile. But when we're talking about route strategy, he's very rudimentary. And I think that AJ Brown comparisons or Debo Samuel comparisons are way too greedy. Like those players were both way more advanced than he was. And so he has a bit of learning curve and I would treat him more as a prospect. I treat him more like a Terrace Marshall. And I, I you know, we saw rookie Terrace Marshall and that was a disaster, but you know, we were all pretty excited about him yeah, generally, yeah. right? Here's this freak athlete who has a lot of development to do. And I think that's what we're going to see with Traylon Burks. The utility that he gets, maybe they do use him in the run game or things like that. That's where you're going to get your fantasy value, not necessarily from in translating to being the, the guy uh, week one out on the outside. We have shades of Dante Moncrief, which is scary, but look, Ooh, you can't that's another just, good one. Yeah. But you can't like, that's a, to me, that's a compliment. Like you can't necessarily just look at that last, you know, week one game. We saw Moncrief with the Steelers <laughs> where it just went terrible. There was a stretch, man. I remember, you know, really being in on Moncrief when like he had like one of those last 12 games with Andrew Luck, he scored 10 touchdowns type of stretches in there. So yeah, you know, we can't comp every single player to an all pro. That's why having, you know, kind of a deeper, 2000s to 2010 you know knowledge of all these mediocre players can get you uh pretty far in the comp game what are your thoughts on garrett wilson because he does have ah man it's 
you know, Alave is the one that's always getting, you know, oh, look how smooth he is out there. Garrett's just this, uh, you know, I think it's been fair to say, like, one of the more unpolished receivers to come out of Ohio State, but maybe that's just because he's such a souped-up athlete. I've seen Emmanuel Sanders comps out there. I think um, Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros had Santonio Holmes, which I liked as well. Do you have a good one for Garrett Wilson you like? I do not. So he, he's Ooh. hard for me to place because I, you know, I get in trouble because I, you know, almost say Odell Beckham, right? I don't want to <laughs> – disrespect Odell in that way yeah. though so for me he, he's been the toughest one what do you guys have or, or what what have you thought about let's him? see shades of Deontay Johnson yeah that's yeah. a good fit yeah Stefan Diggs he's right? just so he's, springy he's man like Deontay yeah. Johnson with pogo sticks for legs like that probably be what <laughs> I have in there he can fly dude not not enough credit for that yeah yeah, all right. We got Garrett. I heard you're a little bit down on Alave. I've seen, you know, the yak numbers. I've seen the, uh, you know, inability to break tackles. It does seem like maybe he's getting a little bit too knocked for that. I don't know. The dude's a deep threat. He's out there running crispy routes, you know, inside the five and everything as well. I believe yep. that PFF's Mike Renner has been on record with the Calvin Ridley comp for Chris Alave. Sounds like you're not quite that high on him. Yeah, I, I mean, I got a Devonta Smith hype uh, oh, comp. Okay. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, pretty strong. Uh He's really intelligent, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just, the, yeah, again, it's kind of like Dotson, right? You have physical traits that, uh, you know, aren't going to translate in the same way that they did in the college game where they're creating all this space for him. He can just run around and do whatever he wants after the catch. You're not going to get that in the NFL. So you're losing a little bit of that production output. Uh, deep threat-wise, I'm hoping for um, kind of like a, a T.Y. Hilton-type okay. fantasy value, right? So like a, a an off-and-on wide receiver two kind of guy. I would expecting. have loved, I would have loved for Ty to have gotten to be an overqualified wide receiver too, like just for a little bit of his career. He did fine as their one and everything. This is not slandering Ty Hilton, but right. like Andrew, you had Andrew freaking luck. You couldn't have done a little bit more to try to get him <laughs> yeah. um, a higher end number two. Like, come on, Indy. I think you mentioned before Jamison Williams with the Will Fuller comp. Is that just yeah. based on on field, or are you tracking some funkiness with the moon already with Jamison? Oh no, 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 I'm not there yet. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, I'm hoping to get to that later because it's okay. an interesting one. But uh, yeah, no, Will Fuller, I think is identical, right? You have all of the injury risk uh, match perfectly with with Jamison, and then all of the explosiveness. The strategy is there. Will Fuller is actually like super intelligent in terms of the way that he plays. Jamison's really the same way um, as far as how he attacks the ball, what he's looking at when he's you know identifying coverage, and and all of that deep, deep speed. Um, so I love Jamison Williams. He's a top two receiver in terms of film grade for me. Um, but there's a ton of risk in terms of the injury that, you know, would for me, I'm more comfortable taking him at like three, four, right? The, the yeah. end of your rookie first round. I think Will Fuller still has maybe my single favorite collegiate player of the last like, you know, probably eight years at this point where they're playing USC first play of the game. Adoree Jackson comes up and daps him up before the play. <laughs> and then Fuller just runs straight past him for like a 75 yard touchdown. I saw on um, Deshaun Kaiser uh, afterward, like a couple years later, like just tweet a clip of it. And he had like the all 22 pre-play and was showing the handshake. So I'm pretty sure Kaiser and Fuller, like we're just laughing about that uh, for yeah. years. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to shit on Adoree. I think he took a screen to the house that game. And Adoree's one of those corners too, man we're like uh him i think darius slay has gotten this at times too we're like they're tracking the number one receiver on the other team with almost no help like we can't be shitting on them if they're getting beat having an assignment that a lesser corner wouldn't we wouldn't have even been asked to do in the first place so keep that in mind that you know pretty hard to play cornerback i think in the year uh 2022 particularly if you're going to be one of those shadow corners those we went through the top five 
you've been talking a lot about George Pickens. Is he the one wide receiver that you think, you know, this time next year could be inside suddenly of the top five fantasy receivers in this class? Yes. Yeah. I think that, yeah, pretty straightforward on that. If you're, I think we'll see, yeah, a good amount of guys say, yeah, Pickens is, he's like that surprise sleeper. So if you're looking at the counting stats, right, you know, he's a classic Georgia receiver. He's not putting up a thousand yard season, but when you're talking about all that market share data, people love him. So George Pickens, I think is a guy that people are just generally like the general public is sleeping on, but the dynasty community, they're very in on George Pickens. What are your overall thoughts on Sky Moore? He's someone that PFF actually has as the number six um, receiver in the class, overall ranked number 33. You know, only 5'10", 195, but seems like, you know, if you look a little bit closer at the film, I know Austin Gale uh, comped him to Golden Tate. Might not, you know, even though he is a little smaller, doesn't necessarily play smaller. And, hey, if he, you know, looking at these wide receivers, man, two of them you would like to think are going to end up on Green Bay or Kansas City. And if yeah. it's going to be at the end of the round, maybe someone like Sky Moore or Jahan Dawson or George Pitt Pickens, uh, you know, even if the talent isn't that wide between, you know, them and the top five guys, they land in that golden situation. All of a sudden the hype's going through the roof. Oh yeah. And situation absolutely matters. So yeah, uh, yeah Sky Moore is a guy that I think is definitely interesting. He's going to get kind of my second tier grade. Okay. Um, there's things that I, you know, like as far as after the catch, I think he led, led college football in, in broken tackles uh, for wide receivers. So he's in that, he's in that category um, in terms of his usability on the ground. Um, but what I see in Sky Moore is a little bit of Christian Kirk. So more of a linear athlete, uh, thickly built, uh, versatile, but uh, again, like pretty straightforward, doesn't necessarily have solutions for physical cornerback play. Um, and so to me, Christian Kirk, again, ton of hype coming out, um, but that's kind of my match. Uh, other people will say like Golden Tate, that was my comp for Christian Kirk. So, you know, we we're, in the, we're in that <laughs> category of this guy can be a dog, right? He's just got some uh, development to do. Um, but I, the other thing too, like I've got to go into his all 22. I just got a couple more games. Like so far I hadn't watched any. So he's the only player I couldn't get film on it. And we just got some today. So the, that'll be, he's my next eval. Always an ongoing evaluation process yes. for sure. Favorite sleeper wide receiver. That's not even guaranteed to be a day one or day two pick. I'm sure there's, you know, some concerns out there, but maybe you see something in them that other, others don't. So I would say Kyle Phillips is Ooh. interesting and he's like a, you know, Hunter Renfro dart throw. And that's, that's like the easy, obvious comp. But when I use that comp, I mean it, you know, as like in every yeah. way that you, in every way that you can, um, <laughs> not just cause they're white, yes. but because, <laughs> but because uh, Kyle is really juicy in and out of his breaks. Uh, you know, he destroyed LSU in terms of how slippery he was. And so, uh, they also used him at like fullback. So, huh. and they didn't use him at fullback. That's an exaggeration. They used him to block. So he's pulling okay. around and he's blowing up guys uh, in, in the run game. And to me, that was impressive enough to be like, you know, there's something to this guy, right? UCLA just overall dysfunctional, right? The quarterback play overall, not great. But Kyle Phillips being this, you know, slippery route runner. And then also a guy that likes to go in and bang. To me, that's something that we could say, okay, there, there's something there. Um, and he'll, you know, he can end up being fifth, sixth round pick. Um, he's a guy that I think, you know, I'm just going to listen to the camp news on, right? Yeah. If they say, oh yeah, this guy, he, he might find his way on the field. Hey, I'm going to pick him up, right? You're not, he's not going to cost you anything. So he's a guy that I'm looking out for. 
that's when preseason really comes uh, into the fold. Like, I understand that what the person does in the fourth quarter, you know, when Ramondre Stevenson busts a 90-yard touchdown against a bunch of janitors, <laughs> like, I'm not going to radically change my opinion on him with that. But, like, we don't – oh, my God, dude. Like, we're going to start getting these news reports on, like, the depth charts that the third-string interns putting together, and everyone's going to lose their damn minds out of that instead of just watching the first 10 minutes of the preseason game where we can see all the first-team snaps out there. So, yeah, someone like Kyle Phillips, man. Hey, there are, you know, basically 96 starting wide receiver spots out there. Maybe just maybe uh, some of these, you know, later-round guys do land in one of the few situations where they can seize one of those sooner rather than later. We talked a little bit about Will Fuller already, you know, but two, two big fans right here of the man, still a free agent. Do you have a best case landing spot for Will Fuller? I know last year, you know, having the finger injury, you know, every time you quip about Will Fuller on Twitter, there's some idiot hater out there. that just says, Oh, he'll play five snaps here before he gets hurt. <laughs> All that nonsense aside, where would you most prefer to see Will Fuller playing football next year? Well, I think I'll say Kansas city. I think that's Ooh, pretty obvious for everybody. Right. But yeah. that, They've shown that they're willing to take gambles on players. So I think of like Josh Gordon, right, being there. Um, Will Fuller can be a guy that they could, you know, I, I don't see any issues with them taking a flyer on, right? Um, but what I like the reason why I say KC is also because Will Fuller against KC week one, I, th- I believe, of the 2020 season. That was when I started to tune into this moon phase stuff. <laughs> so we had a gibbous moon that night, and I was like, all right, I've been I've been studying Will Fuller for a bit. I'm going to bet on Will Fuller, and he had a, a monster game, so I won a little bit of money on that. Um, but yeah, the, the moon phase thing, that was that was legit for a while. <laughs> Dude, it, would, it kept working every single time. I love it. <laughs> One of the best, uh, I think, ongoing um, trends out there. I mean, for those that don't know, like Wolf Fuller's production is just entirely tied to the moon. There's a lot of things I don't understand in life, but that is one certainty uh, that Jetpack has been able to uncover. Uh, Green Bay, I think, would be another obvious of pretty course. great one for Will Fuller, but let's just see him out there, man. The last game, last full game, fully healthy. I'm not even, I'm going to forget the Miami, you know, tenure even happened. Like we saw him on that Thanksgiving and it was him and Duke Johnson just going off against the Lions. It was like one of my happiest Sundays of my life. (laughs) And now Will Fuller just can't get back on the field. So come on, Will, we still believe in you. Maybe even Cleveland, man. I would like to see Donovan Peoples-Jones get his chance to be their number two. But I mean, obviously if we could reunite Fuller and Watson on field, that'd be some fun fireworks jetpack fantastic stuff we talked about most of the wide receiver class but i want to talk about another professional at current professional that we both share a bit of an affinity for mo alley cox the man looks like he's seven feet tall and 400 pounds on the field uh you've taken a nice little liking to basically just photoshopping the man and making him really look as big as i think some of the phone grinders notice as well he just got paid i believe three years 18 million jack doyle retired is Mo Ali Cox your late round tight end pick of 2022? Because right now, man, I, you know, I'm, I've been on the record more with Irv Smith, but he's kind of going like top 15 or so already. Mo Ali Cox is legitimately there in the late rounds to be had, and I don't see why not. Yeah, definitely a, a fan of uh, his size. Obviously, he's a, he's a guy. So I do all of my film watching through a telescope, and you know, he just immediately pops right. Uh, he's just so massive. Um, but yeah, I think. He's definitely got some sleeper potential like you're talking about with the situation. Um, the other guy that I'm pretty interested in is Gerald Everett. So Ooh. Gerald Everett is a guy that I liked coming out of college and obviously he's a second round pick, all that kind of stuff. Um, he had that kind of slippery after the catch type deal. And when we're talking about the Chargers being a great place for a tight end to, to come out and you know really take on some serious volume, 
Gerald Everett, I think, is he's in that like tight end 20 range, and that's a great spot. So, uh, yes, I love Mo Ali Cox, but Gerald Everett is a guy that I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to see how much they split things between Everett and Donald Parham. But I mean, with Everett, it's always just been a matter of like, let's feature him. We've seen him get it done. But then with Tyler Higby, Will Disley for a little bit, now potentially Parham, just making that tough for him to get the full time role. But a man can dream. Hey, all right, who's this dude you just tweeted about? I think yesterday, the Virginia guy. How big is this <laughs> freaking tight end from Virginia? Because he looks like he's like nine feet tall. Yeah, he's he's legitimately bigger than Moali Cox. Oh my God! Who, so, who is he? What's his name? <laughs> Jelani Woods. So he's uh he's six seven, and he runs a four six. Oh my uh, God! And I'm he's in just love. a monster. So you watch his highlights. He's just like, yeah, just a giant playing with these kids. Um, is he coming out this year? He's coming out this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, move over, are, move over, Trey McBride. What are we yeah, doing here? People are actually in on him. So yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. But so. You know, both Mo Ali and Jelani, they're just like so huge that they look really stiff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they'll they'll break tackles and they run hard and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of entertainment there um, when you're watching these guys. Dude, yeah, and I, you know, as I, I don't, I'm not quite in the weeds of college football as much as some other guys, but I usually catch up when I'm just doing all the preseason DFS goodness. So that's you know how Mo Ali Cox, Auden Tate. I think you know when I've seen some of these guys play against like lesser competition and they're really able to you know master the contested catches and stuff like that. That's a little bit harder against the starters. Uh, you know, whatever. I was getting um. Uh, my buddy Derek Brown was giving me shit for liking receivers that don't separate. And my comeback was like, sorry, I want a wide receiver that, you know, isn't going to get denied at half the freaking rides at a roller coaster park. So, you know, that back in my day, it was a good thing to be over six feet tall and have a little bit of weight behind you. So Jetpack, fantastic stuff. Again, everyone can find you on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. You and the fantasy football astronauts always doing fantastic work. You're on YouTube and Patreon as well. Anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, my friend. Yeah, so we're launching our rookie guide next week. Again, all those film grades, that attention to detail, everything is going into that. We're doing more than receivers. We got all these positions um, for fantasy guys. So that's at ffastronauts.com. Make sure to check that out. Um, that rookie guide will be dropping next week. Very excited about that takes a true you know takes a true confidence to be putting out your rookie guide and stuff before the actual draft happens we obviously know how much that helps so you know true respect to you all the other astronauts you're working with for you know grinding that now being ahead of the field on it and i hope you know your success dominating uh you know the fantasy of just perspective versus the nfl draft continues man awesome stuff from you and the rest of the crew we appreciate your time for jetpack i'm ian thanks so much for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody